Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. But for those who are here, maybe for the first time, my name is Greg McKinney. My wife and I are the lead pastors here at Glory Church. And uh, we have always treated this like a family, uh, which uh, has the ups and the downs like every family. But I'm excited. If you are new, you can sit with us still today. Um, But my hope is that you see some powerful things through the day, through this sermon, because I scrapped it. I like literally threw it away and tossed it and started afresh halfway through the week. I did. Um, You see, we have been in a very cool, very neat, very powerful season. Uh, We started in in January a new series, and I also claimed, as I do every year, a word that I prayed, that that we pray over and decide, Lord, what what is the theme of this next year? And so January, that first Sunday, I said our theme for this year is Breakthrough that we are praying for spiritual breakthroughs in our our community, in in the kingdom of God around us. We are praying for emotional breakthroughs, mental breakthroughs. We are praying for relational breakthroughs. And then also like for physical breakthroughs. Uh, You have a very small belief in the power of the Lord if you don't think that he can physically break through, right? If we do not believe that he still heals today, he still reconciles, he still provides, he still ushers forth and things change when he speaks, reality shifts. And so we had these five weeks uh, and three of the weeks we fasted as a church. Um, I have never done a corporate fast like this. I challenge the people to actually have food be a part of this fast. So we're not just you know, fasting media, but we're going to fast food in some way. And so some of you guys decided, all right, Monday through Friday, I'm not going to eat. And for 21 days, that was the case. Others, like, I will only eat when the sun goes down for 21 days. And we sat in it. And over the course of this past month, we prayed week one, Lord, give us emotional breakthroughs in our church. And I was going to stand up today and tell you and share some of the victories that God has done. I was. On Wednesday, totally honest, Wednesday morning, it did not feel right. It did not sit with me right. In fact, I just kept feeling like he said to my heart, they are not ready to claim victory. They are not ready to claim it a victory yet. But what I know, we prayed for emotional breakthroughs and some of your abuse from the past came up. Did you know there was over a dozen people in our church who started confessing for the first time that they were physically or sexually abused as a child? And that finally came up and the Lord was like, we're going to deal with this because it is affecting how you behave, how you believe in yourself. And so he brought it up. The next week we talked about relational healings. And did you know that no joke, more than seven marriages went through the fires. And it wasn't that these things just came out of nowhere, but finally things came up. Things were confessed. Things were noticed. Things were worked through. Some of you actually went to your parents and you said, I'm sorry, or I forgive you. 
relational healing happened. Others of you, like, uh, you've been praying and praying, and what I know to be true, this is literally what was on my heart, and I wrote this down. Maybe you saw this post. I really felt like a lot of your hearts were saying this. So the fast ended, but now what? My breakthrough actually came, and I realized that, like, I have a whole lot of anxiety based on my fears from the past, and he showed it to me. He broke through, but now what? And this word, now what, just kept coming, that, like, Or others of you, what I prayed for and fasted for still hasn't happened, Greg. Now what? Others in the room, like there was uh, the things that were now surfacing in my nightmares. I realized I had fear, no joke, this past week alone, about a little over a dozen of our Glory Church family had some very spiritual heavy nightmares. Maybe you were one of them. Things are coming up, God, but now are they're like battle and where what now what? What is this? I thought we were doing this so that you brought me healing, God. Now it looks like it's all around me. Jesus broke through so much through so much in my life. Now what? Not much feels different for others of you. Now what? And this word now what kept coming. My relationship seems to be in pieces, Greg. Now what? On Sunday, maybe you got up like the invalid and came up to the front and you prayed and it was this powerful moment, but your heart is saying, now what? So that thing actually happened and uh, I confessed and now everyone knows, now what? And I just feel like overwhelmingly so we're sitting in this now what and God is saying, do not celebrate yet because they need to know now what? (laughs) We, in which I think we could celebrate. And let's, let's leave that for next week. But a lot of you were like, I really struggle. I'm not ready to claim it as a victory. God broke through. He showed me this. He's good. He's holy. But this is hard, Greg. Now what? And so really, this is where I'm wanting to be. And so I just want to paint you a picture. This is what I think. And this could be completely wrong. But I, I do believe that a lot of you have felt this. So you know the parting of the seas. You know, the Red Sea parted, and Scripture says that on either side of them was this wall, okay? I believe if we do not do justice to what God has done, you will always think, you'll close your eyes and think that you're still walking through what you've already been through. And I really felt like the the people of our church, God has done a lot of things but now it feels like there's just a whole wall surrounding them. And now it's very apparent that they see everything that they should be afraid of. Some of you, that's been it. Your marriage flew to pieces and finally things are rising up that have never been up. And in your mind, you feel like you've been surrounded by all of this now. And it's like very visible, like the walls of the Red Sea are now surrounding. And you're like, I don't know where to go. Now I'm aware that I have anxiety and sleepless nights. Or now that I'm aware that I have this struggle of my past. And now, now I'm aware I've confessed. But now it feels like it's surrounding me on both sides. I kept feeling that that is a lot of our church. God, I'm praying for these things and I believe. But now I'm seeing all my doubt all around me. And I don't know how to walk through it. And so as we get into this, I literally scrapped this message like 17 times. So Jesus, like, please make sense of this for the people. But I really, water's being around them from the left to the right. What do I do, Greg? 
That's what I kept feeling like the Lord was saying, what do I, what do they do? James says this, and this verse just kept coming up. Chapter four, it says, therefore, and just so you know, I scrapped this message like 17 times, so I know I'm pointing to the screen. Uh, There's no slides. So if there was a slide, it would say this. It would say this. Get your notes out. Read your Bible. Okay? That's what the slide would say. Okay? So I invite you. I'm about to uh, open up to James chapter 4. It's not going to be up there. Um, So you could go ahead and do that. Uh, And then I might switch it up because I have the notes but they shifted so many times. I told the slide guy in the back, all you have to do is just sit and listen this day. Like, you have no, no switching to do. All right? James chapter 4, verse 6. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So what do I do? We submit ourselves, therefore, to God. We resist the devil, and he will flee. We, verse 8, we draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Verse 9, be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves, verse 10, before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Like this morning, I have like two phrases for you. It's going to be fleshed out through a, what I believe will be a correct way for us to view. We're not in a Red Sea moment anymore, okay? When, the, when it feels like you're being surrounded by all the things that should and could come crashing in at any moment, and you're like, God, I don't know what to do, and that's where you're at, I want you to shift the script and we're gonna, I'm going to show you a different scripture to sit in on. Sound good? But Jesus, he says through God's word, uh, draw near to the Lord. Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. This has been a lot of your fasting experience. If you've never fasted, you should, because it's a whole lot of draw near to God and hope, believe that he's going to draw near to you. Some of you, I just want to put it in perspective, some of you kept thinking he just brought up too much for me to deal with. Like, he, he just brought up too much. We started a, a counseling uh, freedom sessions we were providing for our church, and I had so many are like, I just need that. I didn't realize all the anger and the resentment that I have toward XYZ. I need this. I need, God brought up a whole lot too much. There's just so much going on now, and I can't handle it all. Maybe you feel like that Red Sea experience that like everything that was once just under the water, now you have to see it. And now that you see it, like how do I get through it? And it's that shift of thinking that can keep you immobilized. Or we can sit and say, God, let me submit myself to you. There's a direction that the Lord is wanting you to take. All right, so I have these two things, and the whole image, I'm going to paint an image for you, because the Red Sea, it just keeps going out, doesn't it? It's all right. I'm wondering if I'm uh, going in a place where the mic doesn't work anymore. The Red Sea is a nice story, but did you know there's a second Red Sea moment in Scripture? It's when the people of God crossed over the Jordan River, and I just want to sit with you in that story. Because if I can transition those two things out, the Red Sea is this image of salvation. 
It really is. The Red Sea is the people of God taken out of captivity, out of slavery, out of bondage to Egypt, and they are now walking through freedom. All right, that's, that's the picture. And so in salvation, that's a lot of what it was, is the bondage of sin and death is behind me. I walked through, Jesus consumed it. Literally, Pharaoh and his army, dead, dead and gone. But this image, if I'm still in the Red Sea, my enemy is chasing me. I'm surrounded by this. It sometimes can give us a not full picture of the story. But then the Jericho River happens. And I don't know if you know much about the Jericho River, but years pass. The people of God have been set free from Egypt. They're traveling around in the night by a pillar of fire. They're traveling around in the day by a cloud, right? A cloud of smoke. And they're walking and they start getting what? Angry. Contemptful. They start getting resentful. It would have been better if we were fed as slaves. And that's literally all of Exodus. It's just this constant back and forth toss and and pull. And so finally, God says, here's your land. And out of fear, remember, they're like giants, the people who inhabit it. Out of fear, they went into faithlessness, doubt, and they got tossed in the wilderness. Ready? God rose up Joshua, said, I'm going to make you lead And so his first thing, Joshua chapter 3, you can turn to it in your real Bibles. It's where we're sitting, this painting, this picture for you. It is a second Red Sea experience, but I think it is very fitting where, if I could paint this for you, the Red Sea was all about salvation out of bondage into freedom. Our Jericho or our uh, Jordan River experiences are us crossing over the things that are keeping us from God's blessings. That's what I believe a lot of our fast, the things that came up, God was showing you, I don't need to save you again. What I need to do is stop the things coming in between you and your blessing. I've given you the promised land. You have not claimed it. I've given you a calling and you have not claimed it. That's literally what a lot of the experiences that I heard, and I could be wrong, but a lot of you are faith-filled people who love God, but he was showing you, you have a hurdle in this. And it's coming out. You remember I told you, I have a critical spirit. You remember when I broke down that night with my daughter? I have a critical spirit, and God has given me a blessing of a powerful daughter in faith. Like Trey, if you want to know Trey... She, my, my, my eldest twin, she has the ability to see the Lord in the most purest of ways. She can. And it's powerful. If you know Trey, she knows. She gets wisdom. Now, knowledge, wisdom, she gets it. Like concepts that she should not even fathom. She is a blessing that God has given us to claim. But I have carried with me generational curses I am critical, I am angry, I am I'm quick to call everything a, a this or that, and I realized it came from my grandpa, then my mom, then my mom to me, and I, told, I confessed this, right? We talked about this. That was a Jordan River 
standing in between me and my calling as a God, uh, as, a, as a man of God, as a father who leads in the way. Like this was blocking me. And so I came out of my criticism in my quick statements and me yelling. I mean, you remember, like I've even caught myself like about to yell because they've done something wrong. I, rem- I told you like, what broke me that day, fasting makes us all really soft, you know? What broke me that day was when Autumn tried to make a little, like, egg sandwich. She tried to, you know, cut the egg open and put it on, completely missed the pan. And I'm like, what are you thinking? And I just got angry because she just made a mess in our home. How dare she act like a child? And I, the Lord was like, you are wounding your children in the same way you were wounded you are blocked from stepping in to the blessing of fatherhood this river is in your way a lot of us have these moments so this powerful passage came up and it's it's beautiful they were in wandering and now they have this very thing that's standing in between them and the promised land this is what it says uh it says that joshua commanded the people and this is verse uh Three of chapter three. Normally it's up here, so I don't have to tell you these things. But uh, it says, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, and when you see it being carried by the priests, you shall set out from your place. They're about to go somewhere they've never been. Follow it, verse four, so that you may know the way that you will go, for you have not passed this way before. Greg, I want you to follow me because you have not passed this level of of, of vulnerability with your daughters before. You have not passed this level of having to get over and forgive and realize that you're bitter toward your parents. You've never passed this before, but follow me. Yet there shall be space between you and the Ark of the Covenant, distance of about 2,000 cubits. If you want to know what that is, that's like 3,000 feet. They needed to revere the Ark of the Covenant and stand near, stand away from it. Do not come any nearer than that. Verse 5, then Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. The Lord will do wonders among you. Those of you who are like, all right, Greg, what do I do? And I told you the James verse. If you just want to write, this is first thing I got for you. What you can do, if you've been through a breakthrough, you walk forward humbly. And you're like, what? That sounds, no. Walk forward humbly. Two parts to this. Walk forward you are, God is doing something so you can stay stagnant in this reality that you're overwhelmed or you can notice the Lord your God and walk forward humbly. When you see the Ark of the Covenant go out into there, be reverent to it. This is when uh, scripture says, keep your eyes on the author and the perfecter of your faith, Jesus. Like put aside everything that is entangling, all the sins that's weighing you down. Keep your eyes on him. Move forward humbly. It's interesting though, um, scripture said in that James passage, submit yourself to God. That means like give him control. With every step, give it to him. And then it says, resist the devil and he will flee. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Often I think we forget those and flip them. Often, especially in moments of breakthrough, the enemy knows what he's doing. 
often we resist the Lord and we draw near to the liar. Like, often we don't move forward humbly. We end up resisting the Lord and we uh, draw near to the lie. Do you want me to make sense of this really quickly? I said, let's have a fast. You remember that? Like a month ago? And I watched as... I called this, King Jehoshaphat called a fast. We have something standing against us as a church. We need breakthrough. And the Lord is, he wants breakthrough. And I saw as people in our church, Miss Betty, right? Like their flesh came up and they're like, why is the pastor telling me to do this? I don't want to do this. I don't want, why is he making us? Why is he making us fast? I don't want to do it. And we saw instantly that Our go-to response, sometimes when the word of God or the challenge of the Lord comes as we resist the Lord and we draw near to lies, it is, but we have to do the opposite. I will draw near to the Lord and I will resist the enemy. That word resist means uh, to be hostile to. It means to be stubborn, stubbornly courageous. This is why I could say, a truth of the word of God and watch it go over your head. I could say, you do not have to live in bondage anymore. You've been given freedom. I could say, the way that you were taught to parent is not the way of the Father God. And we could, one, be humble and hear what the Lord is saying, or two, be stubborn and hear what the lies are saying. Often, we do the latter. You see, when we're in that experience of of standing before, uh, there's two extremes that we can do. We can either sit in this and say, like, no, God, I'm not going to, or I guess I'm just going to have to do it on my own, or fine, I'm going to fight, I'm going to fight. You have no idea how many of you guys I've heard say, How can I just kill those anxious thoughts? Like, I just want them gone. I just want them out. Some of you, lust came back, and it hasn't been in a long time, but you're fasting, and your flesh starts rising. I just want it to dead. I want it dead. You can focus on that, or you can draw near to the Lord, and the Lord will draw near to you. You can be hostile to the enemy. But it's interesting, though, uh, what happens typically in the, fa- the fast, we flip that script, and we've learned to humble ourselves before God. And some of you experienced breakthrough like never before. This is just a fun little like aside, but if you want to know true hostility toward the lies, it is always through genuine ho- humility to the Lord. If you actually want to be hostile to the lies that you're believing, they need to be humble to the Lord. It is. That's how we fight. That's how we fight. Every breakthrough, every miracle, every working of God, it is always unto something. Think about it. Everything he does is unto him being revealed, him being seen, him being understood, him being made known. And so there is a point to it, but we have to keep moving forward humbly. I wrote this down, and this is for those of you stuck in the Red Sea You're not moving forward so that the pain goes away. You're moving forward to see Christ. Others of you, 
you're not moving forward in your marriage so that things can be normal again. No, we're moving forward so that Christ can be revealed in your marriage. This is how we humbly move forward. And I mean this. Others of you are like, I just thank you, God, for showing this, but I just want normal again. And Jesus is like, no, move forward humbly. See me. See me. We're not moving forward to get that thing back on track. We're moving forward to see Jesus. You're not moving forward to get where you want. It's to see Jesus again. And some of you who have not been a part of this fast, I'm okay if this message isn't for you, but you have a hurting friend right next to you who probably the Lord brought up a whole lot this month. Moving forward is not silencing those lies on your own. Moving forward is looking at Jesus the author and perfecter of your faith. Moving forward with humility, I will keep my eyes on him, not so that this goes away, but so I see him. It's him. It's him. But it's interesting, though, uh, this moving forward has another part that I want to dive into with you because moving forward, uh, the word Jordan, and I love this. uh, This is just a little Bible nerd in me. The word Jordan means flowing down. It does. And if you read the scriptures on Joshua chapter 3, it says that the people of God had to make that first step. The priests had to step into the water. I told you last week the invalid had to get up to be healed. Do you remember that? Uh, John made it very clear. Jesus says, get up, take up your mat, and walk. Then John says the man was healed. He took up his mat, and he walked, omitting the fact that He got up to be healed. So the people of God, in order for the waters to move, the priests had to step. And scriptures say that they they stepped forward and the waters of the Jordan, that which flows down, that's the word, it was stopped. And not just stopped like right there, but it said beyond it, two miles beyond, the waters stopped at the point of the city of Adam. Really cool name here. Laid bare was everything from Adam and onward to see. Now, what I love about this is the people of God got to see very clearly the ground that they were going to walk, and it was not them being surrounded by that which they're afraid of anymore. It is, it was cut off all the way at Adam. You, you hear what I'm saying? It was cut off all the way at Adam. What I, I know as a man is I can live in the sin that I was taught as a child or I can realize that through Christ, it was cut off all the way to Adam. And in fact, if you've heard Hebrews, if you read it, I'm no longer in Adam. I'm in Christ. The very way I can move beyond this is not because I'm surrounded by it so that I can walk through it and then it crashes. No, I can move beyond this because God cut it off all the way to Adam and laid bare. The people of God were able to walk. And I don't know why this is huge because that's the only way you can move forward is the very reality that like, I don't want to call out people, but I will. The very reality that you too, I get to, I'm doing your premarital counseling and I love it. The very reason that you get to move forward is because it's not just that God has saved you from this. It's that literally 
everything from when sin came on the scene all the way to you has been dealt with in your line. And now you can walk through and you can walk through humbly. You know what I mean? That's why their marriage is going to be strong because everything from Adam has been cut off. And so the people could see clearly. They walked through humbly. Now, I love it, though, because what was flowing down from Adam was blocking their blessing. And some of you are realizing this, that that sin that is flowing down, that sin of arrogance, that sin of saying, like, rebellion, that sin of saying, I don't need this, that sin of saying, I've got it all covered, that sin of, of, of greed, that sin of isolation, the sin of all of that, those things are what is blocking you from stepping into the Lord's blessing. But it's the Jericho, or not Jericho moments, goodness, the Jordan moments when we can say, Lord, you've cut it off so that I can walk freely. I can walk humbly. Part two, though, the second phrase that I have for you, not just uh, move forward humbly, but this right now. This is what Jesus would say to our invalid friend. I, I didn't say this part of the scripture because I wanted to wait for this week. I didn't know this, Miss Betty. I would say this. He finds him, scripture says, in John chapter 5, verse 14. He heals, he heals the invalid at the pool of Bethesda, right? And he's walking away. And then scripture says, literally right after that, he meets the man in a temple. He's already praising, which is cool. He goes up to the man who's been healed, who's experienced a breakthrough, and he says this, look, you have been made well. Sin no more so that nothing worse may happen. Some of you highlight, look, he says. That word is behold, notice, be aware of. In fact, I could just say uh, to the marriages in the room where things got brought up and you finally were able to actually deal with things, look, things have been made well. And you're like, no, that's not well. I don't feel like it's well. The word well does not mean whole in this. That word well means sound. It is sound when something is accurate. Things have been seen accurately. Look, things have been made well. You're like, it doesn't feel like well. I got up, Greg. I got up and I moved forward. But now it's just like a, a lot more steps that I think that I have to take. Okay, pause. You do. But at the same time, at the same time, you've been made well. You've been made well. Look. And you're like, but nothing I prayed for has happened, Greg. Maybe what you've been praying for isn't the well. Like, you've been made well by what he has shown you. But Greg, I'm praying for the same thing. I get that. But he's wanting to give you a sound mind, a well mind. And maybe through this fast, what you're praying for didn't happen, but something did happen. Look, look, you've been made well. So now we walk forward humbly because look, you've been made well. But I love it though, because it's the part is you've been made well, sin no more. Some of you really struggle with that phrase because you're like, I'm a sinner. I keep doing it. I keep sinning. You know, Jesus says this phrase only twice in the Gospels. He says it to one, the woman who is caught in the act of adultery. But he says it twice to this man 
So the first time to the woman who's caught in the act of adultery, literally, woman, get up. Your accusers are gone. Sin no more. What he's telling her is not, hey, don't lie anymore. Don't steal anymore. He's telling her, don't have sex with a man that you're not married to anymore, right? Sin no more. Change your attitude. You're, that life that you're in right now, be done with it. So it leads us to say, he says, look, you've been made well, sin no more. We're like, that's a lot of sins he doesn't want him to do anymore. But when this man heard Jesus say, sin no more, he knew what he was talking about. In fact, I could do a sweep over each of you and say, what the Lord broke through this week, look, you've been made well, sin no more. And you would know that which he's talking about. Does this make sense? I could say for me, I know what it is. He said, look, Greg, you've been made well, period. Sin no more. That's not overwhelming to me because I know exactly what he wants me to not do anymore, right? It's overwhelming when we stand outside of the claim, but it, when he looks to you and says, sin no more. Like, I know. I'm going to move forward humbly. I'm going to look because I've been made well. And I'm going to sin no more. I'm going to sin no more. You want to see how this is is captured in this beautiful, beautiful piece. Uh, one, it says, you know, Hebrews, again, we look to Jesus. The people of God didn't have Jesus to look at, so they looked to the Ark of the Covenant. And then it, scripture says in Hebrews 12, like, therefore, since we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses, we lay aside everything that is entangling us. What is entangling you might not be what is entangling me, but when God says sin no more to Greg, I know what is entangling me. And I set it aside and I move forward with perseverance. The people of God, I'm going to challenge you to see the scriptures because they knew some things that were standing against them. I want you to open up to Joshua chapter 4 again. It's really beautiful. The Jordan River stopped all the way from Adam. It stopped flowing. Chapter 4. It says, when the entire nation had finished crossing over the Jordan. I looked that up. Some historians believe that this took, could have taken days to do. Others think it could have taken only one day. I'm like, oh, really? We could go from 29 to 1? Who's, What? So it took a lot amount of time to get a lot of people. There's about uh, 2.5 million Jews going across this with their cattle and their animals. Like, well, those are the same thing. You got this. And it says in verse 1, when the entire nation finished crossing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, select 12 men from the people one from each tribe, and command them, hey, take 12 stones from here, out of the middle of Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood, and carry them over you, and lay them down in a place where you camp tonight. Verse 5, Joshua said to them, pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan, and each of you can take this, all right? I need you to take this. One for each of the tribes of Israel, so that this will be a sign among you when your children ask, where did this come from? What do the stones mean? Then you will tell them that the water 
sons of Jordan were cut off in front of the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones will be to the Israelites a memorial forever. Verse 8, though, this is really cool. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded. They took up 12 stones out of the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, just as the Lord told Joshua. And they carried them over to the place where they would camp, and they laid them there. Verse 9, I will read in a second. But we know what happens if you know the story. The men set it up in a place called Gilgal. They set up this monument. They stood it 12 stones high for every one of the, the, the people of God, the, the tribes. And that became the pillar of what God did in the water. It's really cool. And you're like, Greg, why is this neat? Because verse 9 has some more 12 stones that I think we never talk about. Verse 9 says, Joshua also set up 12 stones in the middle of the Jordan, in the place where the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. Really strange. In fact, the imagery that I had, and I didn't know, I, I did a lot of back and forth with the Lord, but I really felt he wanted me to speak on these 12 stones underneath the Jordan River. Okay? I'm not talking at all about the 12 stones that were on Gilgal. I'm talking about the 12 stones under the Jordan River. Doesn't give us much information at all. So I did a whole lot of, whole lot of searching. Hebrew tradition said that Joshua, in doing this, that God didn't tell him to do this, but Joshua, in leading, desired to do this. Joshua, right before he told the people to come across the Jordan, God told Joshua, I'm going to do something different, and I need you to lead. I'm going to elevate you like Moses into this place. So Joshua's already thinking, I have become the leader, and these are the people, and, and this is what's happening, and, and there's a lot going on in Joshua's mind. So the people of God made it through, and if you think about the story of the Red Sea, who was, who was demolished by the water when it came back? Pharaoh's army, Egypt, the people coming after. In this scenario, the people of God were not running from anything, were they? No. But somewhere deep inside Joshua's heart, he knew, I have seen how to lead. And I watched as the Lord demolished the enemies that were coming after us. We have no enemy coming after us, but we do have a background where we were stubborn, we were doubtful, we were angry with God, we, we took vengeance into our own hands, we spat on the will of the Lord, we said it would be, back, it would be better to be back in bondage. Many of our people died in the wilderness because of that attitude. Many theologians think that Joshua knew something needed to be swept away by the water. Joshua knew something needs to be left here and not traveled through. Are you, you picking this up? When I say sin no more, there is something that if you're going to move forward humbly, 
There's something that the Lord is asking you to leave at the bottom of the water before it ever flows through. You see, the word Jordan is also, also not just uh, the flowing down, but in Hebrew, it's also in tandem with the word judgment, justice. Something needs to hit the justice of the Lord. Something needs to be touched by the justice of the Lord. And so this is really weird. I'm excited. Uh, I lugged like Joshua, because here he is, you know, I imagine he's probably like my build. Some of you call me gangly and, and tall and skinny. There's some big men in the Hebrews, all right? I believe it. They could carry some stones. And sure enough, they did. They took, carried 12 stones out of the Jordan. But Joshua carried 12 stones into the center of the Jordan. And he was like, um, my people are bitter. This needs to stay here. My people carry around the pain of their husbandry, the way that their father acted and their father acted and their father acted. It needs to stay here. My people treat their children like they were treated and they were abused and they try not to abuse, but they are doing it still. It needs to stay here. My people doubt because they never believe that my word is true. They believe their lies are true. It needs to stay here. My people constantly think their ways are better. And it has led them to call my food, my food, something of, something of less than, that the food of a the food of a bond servant, the food of someone hurting you is better. My people who I've called by my name still keep going to these lusts to satisfy them. It needs to stay here. My people keep believing though I've called her valid and healed. She still says, I'm impure. My people think that they are crazy because they got too many problems. That needs to stay here. My people say, I get that God has healed me and changed me, but I don't think I'm strong enough to keep going. It needs to stay here. You see, there's so many things that need to stay here, right? So many things. Your arrogance, your pride needs to stay here. The fact that right now you're uncomfortable because a pastor is throwing rocks and you went to a, a church that, that had like, uh, he would stick with the scriptures only. And you think because that, the Lord's not moving, that needs to stay here. Because that's shifting and changing how you operate. He's called you to speak into people's lives but you think he only still speaks through God's word? But you're not even speaking his word to anyone. So you're like a walking contradiction that needs to stay there. So I am going to allow, I don't think I put 12 down, but I'm going to allow the families in this church, if something needs to stay here, put it, there's more than enough rocks for that. 
But what I love about this is this is not a pillar for people to look at. This is something for the water to consume. You will never see it again, but it's there to this day, consumed by the flowing of the Jordan River. God in this place, I know for a fact, I would have done injustice to this Sunday if I would have just sat in the victories, which are true. You have brought hope and healing into places. You have brought jobs for people. You have provided financial resources for people. We have prayed healing and healing has come. There has been crazy victories. People are sober because of you breaking through. There is a lot of victory to be celebrated. But when the waters rose, the enemy started pointing at everything that could have consumed us. And you're saying, I need you to move forward humbly. Need you to move forward humbly. And I need you to look. You're well. So sin no more. So glory church, I mean, If the Father, if the Savior was to look at you and say, look, behold, you've been made well through this month of fasting. You've been made sound, made accurate. You've been made well. And he would say, sin no more. What is the stone that you need to leave? What is the stone? Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.